Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Before I start off today's program, I want to remind you that you still have a little while to go to northernspiritradio.org and fill out our listener survey to help guide our future programming. As a reward for speaking up, we'll add you to our drawing for your choice of either $25 or some seriously beautiful Northern Spirit Radio swag, like a t-shirt, tote bag, and some music. Now to today's guest. This program comes to you weekly from Eau Claire, north central Wisconsin, and just 75 miles to the west is Minnesota's Twin Cities, and some Wisconsinites have fled west over the decades, especially since we got a new Wisconsin governor in 2011. One of my men's group friends, among the best of men, migrated across the border years ago, but Jim, himself a wonderful musician, recently connected me to one of his musician friends, Braden Canfield. Braden's music not only sounds great, it's got the kind of depth and seeking that I love to experience when I listen to a song. Braden does his music in addition to his day job as a counselor in the Indian Ed Department of the Minneapolis school system. So he's a man of rich and varied talents, and we're lucky to have Braden Canfield join us today by phone. Braden, thank you so very much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for having me. Look forward to talking to you today. And we'll send a big thanks right out to Mr. Jim. James is a friend of mine from the time when he lived here in the Chippewa Valley, and I'm so glad that the trail of friendship is carried over to you. How do you know James? I know James from when I first came to Minneapolis. Oddly enough, I was coming here to go to school at the University of Minnesota, and I had to find a place to live, and a friend of mine in town was going to be out of his room in a bachelor pad in southern Minneapolis for the summer, and he said, you can stay in my room for 80 bucks a month. And I said, that's great. And so I went in there, and the first of the other bachelors in this place that I met was Jim Schatower, the notorious Mr. Jim. We stayed up sharing songs and talking till the sun rose and the birds started singing in the morning. We always talk about that as our first meeting. It was a fun time. Were you both doing music back then? Yeah, I think that he he was actually coming off of his college touring career as a musician. And I was certainly much more of an amateur, but we were both songwriters and loved the craft of song, and also had some interesting heroes in common that are not your average people, you know. I remember Dick Penny being one person in a song called Mother Load that we connected on, and we actually just played that this weekend. So we just found out we had a lot of similar interests and a lot of experience with songwriting. And folks, I do have an interview with Mr. Jim, James Schatower, on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You can track that down if you want to listen to it. But right now, we're talking to Braden Canfield, who is over in the Twin Cities area. You're actually in Plymouth, Minnesota, which I just looked up online and found out it was the seventh largest city in Minnesota. Who knew? 
we are to be reckoned with. It's frightening now. I'm going to be intimidated <laughs> during this. The whole question is, I mean, what can I ask someone who's from the big city and I'm just a small town guy? Truly. Are you a longtime Minnesotan? Where were you before that? I was born in Illinois, northern Illinois, Rockford. Not a town of note to much extent, but a lovely place to grow up. While I was in Rockford, I um, was a part of a scout troop that went to the Quetico every summer, sort of north of the Boundary Waters. So we would go into Ely and we would fly on a plane over to the Quetico. And that made me a Northern Woods fan for the rest of my life. And I think that no matter where I went, I always wanted to get back to that area of the country. And when I had a chance to go to graduate school, I looked at the U of M, got into it, and made the move, and have never looked back. Well, that's cool that it drew you north, wilderness, canoeing, traveling. Do you both canoe and hike and do all that stuff, or are you just a canoeer? Primarily a canoeer, I guess. I do have done some hiking when I was in California and still do a little hiking around here, but for the most part, canoeing. Of course, canoeing in Minnesota or in the Boundary Waters includes hiking with the canoe on your shoulders, as you know, so the portages are part of the process. and. It was just fun to get good at that when I was younger and to kind of pass that along to my kids and, and to continue doing that into my uh, later years here, although it is much harder now. It's amazing how much heavier canoes are now than they used to be <laughs> to <Yeah>. those portages. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Well, let's dive into some of your music right away. We're going to draw out more of your background history experience as we go through. But why don't you start us off with one of your songs? What would you like to start with, Braden? When you asked me about the song of my soul, the very first one I thought of was When I Fall from the Grace of God, a song that I wrote quite a few years ago, maybe about nine or ten years ago, just trying to describe what it's like to go through a process of questioning religious or spiritual doctrines that you grew up with, coming into the world, looking at the world differently, being exposed to different ways of looking at things and different lives that people are leading and realizing that you're changing your mind about a lot of things. And that initially that feels very scary and like you're falling from the grace of God. And yet I was always drawn to skeptical thinking and, and such as that. And I think, interestingly, in the last verse I allude to faith and hope and love. And uh, I remember one time a minister telling an explanation of why, I think it was Paul, wrote in Corinthians, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He, was, he always said, why is the greatest love? He goes, well, because when you meet God, you have no more need for faith and hope, but you do for love. And that kind of stuck with me for all this time. And so I threw in there that even after you fall from the grace of God, there is still love. So that's what the song is about. When I fall from the grace of God, Braden Canfield. In the middle of an unpredicted rain, one shoe stuck in the mud. Without a happy place to go inside my brain I'm just waiting for the flood And just the same as Noah's second cousin Joe I got no ticket for the boat But hell, there's something that I've long wanted to know Do I sink or do I float? Do I sink or do I float? When I fall 
from the grace When I fall from the grace of God When I fall from the grace of God Hanging like a hungry fish upon a hook The situation seems my fault if somebody tells me where I cannot look Every time I'll turn to soul Reaching for the double fortune in the bush I lose the treasure in my hand Living on the edge like this Just one small push Has me wondering where I'll land Has me wondering where I'll land When I fall from the grace when I fall from the grace of God when I fall from the grace of God from the grace of God there's a million zillion stars up in the sky and all that space that's in between then there's that place they say you go to when you die No one I know has ever seen They say that faith and hope are useless to the dead The truth is known to them alone But when they finally wrap the linen round my head Who'll come and roll away that stone? Who'll come and roll away that stone? When I fall from the grace when I fall from the grace of God when I fall love, love they say that love is everywhere love, love they say that love is everywhere love, love yes. they say that love is everywhere love love is everywhere So pleased to have Braden Canfield here today for Song of the Soul. When I Fall from the Grace of God is from his recording Soul, Stone, and Sundry. And 2010 is when that came out. I just have to ask, I'm not sure I know who this Noah's second cousin Joe is. Who is is that? (laughs) Well, it's just all the people that died in the flood that weren't on Noah's Ark. That's all I, I thought. And I think it rhymed with something else. You know how you go. <laughs> yeah. So. so there wasn't actually a Joe that I missed. I, okay, I'm. I consider myself moderately well read in the Bible. Well, there might be some some Dead Sea Scrolls or something that have Joe in there, but I uh, don't look to me for that sort of accuracy. <laughs> 
I did my own conversion. I grew up Catholic, and I started my search, or I, I, I realized that it wasn't a perfect fit for me by any means. I got really good stuff out of it, but I did my search pretty clearly in the summer following graduation from high school. That's where I checked out a whole lot of different places, including the first time I went to a Quaker meeting. And it took me another four years before I decided that was the place I fit best. And I had tested a fair amount, you know. Yeah. I would say that one of my blessings was that I don't seem to have much of a sense of shame or guilt. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't hold me back from things. So when I went my direction, I just was going my direction and nobody else's business particularly. But it sounds like you really had to struggle with this sense of, you know, how am I somehow bad inside because I'm not doing the prescribed? Is is that accurate? And at what age did you do this? Oh, God, that's absolutely accurate. I think I had a really, a real struggle. And I, I think it had a couple different levels to it. And that it, one is that sort of emotional, I'm doing bad things or I'm being bad or whatever. Somehow that's in some personalities more than others. I don't know that my church necessarily pushed that on me other than just the basic doctrines. And I don't know that my family brought that on me all that much either. I think some personalities just are drawn in that direction more so. But I think all my life. Just a sense of seriousness about truth and about what's accurate way of looking at the world, I think, and that I pretty much adopted the Christian view even probably more intensely than my family or my church did. I think I really went after that, having a sort of a philosophical religious bent from an early age. So there's that, if I'm following myself here very well, the one level was that sort of emotional and the other level was that sort of intellectual desire to get things right. And I think the, the odd thing about the Christian faith that seems to be there more than some other faiths is that you have to, or at least one way of telling the story is that you have to get it right. You have to believe the right thing in order to get in. You, you know, I mean, that's basically the story that is told that kind of bothered me because I didn't know if I could really believe that. I think that went all through my teens into my 20s and into my 30s, just uh, struggling back and forth with that. And I think when I got into my 40s and 50s, I am 60 now, it didn't matter so much to me anymore, those big questions. It just uh, didn't bother me as much, but but it was a process. And I still, I, I, I read and think about these things a lot. Well, I think it's good to engage with them. I find it fortunate that for some whatever reason, and I really don't understand why, I didn't feel compelled. I didn't have to do anything. I had things well, that... Well, I tell you, you are true. weird. That's all I yeah. got to say. Yeah, I... No, I should, t- I should, t- I should tell you that my, my wife is more that way, too. I think that she always looks at me and says that you know, she kind of came to her beliefs in her adulthood and didn't have to agonized through her childhood and teen years and and so it was more of a choice for her and for me it was like trying to break free of it into a sense of my own identity so we kind of crossed paths with each other a little bit on that but it's kind of fun to to be able to to explore each other's paths that way so i'm happy for you (laughs) one of the things that made it kind of easy for me to hang around with Quakers. And, you know, I, again, I wasn't settled. This is where I had to end by any means, but, you know, try it out. And I knew I liked the people. I knew I liked the format and all of that. But I asked one of my friends who's Quaker, I said, you know, well, do Quakers believe in hell? And she said, 
no, I really haven't. I don't know any Quakers who believe in hell. And I said, well, do they believe in heaven? And she says, well, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's just... (laughs) (laughs) And the idea that there weren't these things pushed upon me would made it like, okay, so I can be real when I'm here, right? I don't have to follow anything. Since it's a non-creedal religion, there aren't any such rules. And so that was different. And there are a couple different religions who are non-creedal, but... So it was very different experience from the Catholicism where, you know, I memorized my Ten Commandments and here are the seven sacraments and so on and such growing up. It was quite a bit different, but, you know, there's I find there's really good and appropriate spaces for everybody. I, just, I want to mention that I uh, actually, because a uh, colleague, friend of mine who is a Quaker, is a songwriter as well. Actually, he's moved away, but he was a part of a group of of songwriters that would meet and they were all Quakers. So I went one time, he wasn't there that day, but I went one time, wonderful people and all wonderful songwriters. It was really fun to, to sit with them and share some lyrics and such. In the Twin Cities area. Yeah. Yeah. It's still going. I probably know them. I think it's still going. I I probably. Chester McCoy was the guy. Oh, sure. Chester. Yeah. Well now then since he's over by DC area, after his wife died. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Right. Right. Oh, I was, so I, I went over to his house to play songs because he's a songwriter too. And, uh, but while his wife was there still and, and, uh, yeah, just a great guy. Yeah. He was a social, he's a social worker. just as me in sure. the school district, but then he went on to be a principal and then retired, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, so he's one of the folks that you knew. And so one of the things about your life is that you are a social worker in the public schools there in Minneapolis. What does that mean that you do? I've been the social worker for over 30 years, but 27 years in the district. Before that time, I was a a therapist at a couple of different places, but went into school social work because I felt like it was two things. It was closer to the real life of people, and I believed in education. And the other thing is because it was a very compatible schedule with having a family. (laughs) So... uh, that was a great, it's been a great experience. Um, but we work with kids in a variety of different ways. So we work with crisis, we work with special education kids, we do groups for social emotional supports and such as that. We get involved a lot with interactions between schools and families and then interactions between families and other agencies like the county. The last three years I've been with the Indian Education Department, which I dearly love. I am not Native, but uh, they graciously allow me to work with them. So I'm working with the Native community in Minneapolis. My main job is to try to just break down any barriers that are there for the Native kids to get to school, and there are many. So that's the sort of work that I do, kind of trying to get them to school regularly and, and be successful there. Well, I can see that you've got a a real heart for helping people out that way. And I, I I sense that through your music anyhow. But also this sense of I should do good, but I really have to be myself. I think there's a a tear <laughs> down the middle in you in that. I I hope that's not presumptuous of me to say that. Well, I don't know what how many people feel about their their work, but I've I've never you know, like some people they're just they are their work. They just that's their passion, you know. And I, I tend to think that uh, I am who I am, and the work is just a part of who I am. And I bring all of who I am to work, but uh, it goes home with me. And, you know, so I, I remember at one point a while back, I decided I was going to create just an office in my 
house, which was my office uh, for my life, not for my job, just to try to put it all in perspective. But yeah, social work is very, very personal work, and you really have to bring your whole self to it, or it's not very fun. I don't suppose you know the song by Charlie King, Our Life is More Than Our Work, and Our Work is More Than Our Job. I think I wrote that song by Charlie King. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's go on to some more of your music, Braden. What's next? The next one is River Kyrie. I wrote that. I can't remember how long ago it was that the Red River Valley had horrible flooding down the the, uh, east coast of of Minnesota here uh, in the Dakotas. And I was always wanting to write a river song. Anyway, and I remember I was just looking at a headline in the paper, and it said something like, Hopes Fall as the River Rises. And uh, oftentimes my songs are inspired by a first line, and that just gave me my first line for this song. And then, interestingly enough, also, I've always wanted to have the Kyrie in my songs, Kyrie Eleison, you know that, being a Catholic. And it's just fascinating how it just fell into this one. I just remember writing it and just kind of moving into this E chord from the key of C, and it just was like, there it was, Kyrie finding its way in, and I was very happy with it. So I always wanted to give this song somehow to the people there, but I think it was written well after the streets were dry, so maybe it'll get get there sometime. Well, then maybe we'll transport people back to the the fear and the terror and the... (laughs) Right. No, we don't want to do that. (laughs) The song is River Curie, Braden Canfield. The river is rising As our hopes tumble down Every man, woman, and child has their backs to the walls round the town. The northern snow's melting, and it joins April rains. And the water swells, breaching the levees and spills on the plains. If ever a family of man needed God to shine down, It is we with our homes in the wind In this riverbed town We huddled all winter Went our own separate ways While our souls shrank in size To resemble the darkening days But now we are standing Faces full in the sun Working shoulder to shoulder, this river has made us all one. And Easter is coming, proclaiming God risen from death. Oh, we'll all gather round, songs of resurrection on our breath. Kyrie. Kyrie eleison, 
Power in the river Power in the rain And power to the people who gather In sorrow and pain Power in the neighbor And power in the hands Of God's children who wrestle the rivers In every land If ever the family of man Needed God to shine down It is we with our hopes in the wind And our feet on the ground And Easter is coming, reminding us that all will be well And nothing can keep us from God, neither river nor hell Braden Canfield is our guest here today for Song of the Soul. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web, northernspiritradio.org. Almost 13 years of our programs, free listening and download, links to our guests, stations where you can listen to us over the air, uh, as well as how you can connect with us online. There's a place to post comments and make our communication two-way. If you post a comment, we count on you to do that. There's also a donate button, and that's how we fund this full-time work. Click on donate to help us out. Even more important, though, than helping out Northern Spirit Radio, though, is to help your local community radio station. I don't really even have an idea, Braden, if you have something over there in Plymouth, Minnesota. Uh, they've got KFAI right over by the U of M, and and I think that reaches all the way out to you. But community radio stations are such a wonderful font of local culture and thought. And it really is important that you support them. So wherever you're listening to this from, remember to support them first. Again, our guest is Braden Canfield. He works with the school system. He's counselor. Indian Ed is something I hadn't heard about before, but he works with that in the Minneapolis school system in Minnesota. And he lives in Plymouth, Minnesota. 
just west of the Twin Cities. Uh, the song that we're just listening to, River Curier, is from his recording Soul, Stone, and Sundry. The three S's, as they're known, right? <laughs> That's why you chose them. <laughs> Got to have that alliteration or something. Absolutely. That's also why in the second one I have it, uh, Seven Songs of... Seven Songs of Separating from... I'm, I'm trying to find more S's, okay? you know. Well, it was going to be Seven Songs of Suffering, and I thought, well, you know, I don't know. And I've got a bunch of other S titles coming up, so we'll see how it goes. You mentioned doing some music over at James Shatower's house, Mr. Jim's place. You also have done music or do music with Trinitas, which is kind of like tinnitus or tinnitus, uh, <laughs> but with an R in there. Where does that come from? By the Who way, I suffer from that. So tell me about that group. Yeah, Trinitus. So it was just uh, something that happened about 10, 12 years ago, I guess. I was a member of a church, Holy Nativity Lutheran Church, and there was a choir director there, Ivor Hubert, and an organist. Lisa Baker, who were both composers, and uh, they knew that I composed music as well, and they said, why don't we get together and put a CD together, and we thought, well, great, so we did that. Ivor, of course, writes more orchestral-type music with some choral music as well, and Lisa writes choral music and a lot of keyboard stuff, and uh, we put together a CD, just five songs each, and we called it Trinitus, because there was three of us, you know, and uh, we thought that was a cool name. So we put that out, and we, we still toy with the idea of doing something else. We thought that between the three of us at one point that we can we could cover so many types of music that we could do soundtracks, you know, but we, it, we never, it never took off. But who knows? Who knows? It might still go somewhere. Next year. Next year in Jerusalem. Yes. I'm glad someone else knows that phrase. I uh, I say things like that. <laughs> it's really cool that you can finish off my sentences for me because that's what I was thinking. But I was saying, oh, nobody's going to know that one. <laughs> well, we just have a festival of two right here. Who knows what's going <laughs> to... Well, let's continue to spice up the festival by sharing some more of your sublime music. So what would you like to share next? <laughs> Hint, hint. Well, as a matter of fact, I have a song titled Sublime. That's amazing. How did I figure that one out? I don't know. At any rate, Sublime is, I hope, I hope that people like this song. Jim really likes this song, and so I was very grateful for that. But this song is me being my most obscure and philosophical self that I can be. The music to it, the guitar music, is about as difficult as it gets for me. It's in dad-gad tuning. And uh, the finger picking has worked on it a long time to get the feel of this song. And then the words, if you can follow this, <laughs> I was just musing, as one does, about uh, how unconscious matter gave birth to conscious awe, meaning this, the idea that something could come out of matter, let's say, and uh, let's say a human mind could come out and look around and be astounded at what it sees. And so the idea of the song was to come up with phrases for that we where we use words to describe things that are indescribable and to then intersperse with that a couple of little metaphors for consciousness emerging. And so there's a, a phrase in there like, here on the earth, scratches and scars, dirt from an infant's hand thrown at the stars. And another one where it's like, 
forged in the sun, anvil of time, a blacksmith awakens and shapes the sublime. And then it goes into these phrases to describe things with words. And I really like it, but I don't know if anybody listening to it without an explanation will get what it's uh, going for. But like Jim said, it's just it's just obscure enough that you can kind of throw your own meaning onto it. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Thanks. I'm kind of proud of it. I just wanted to ask, who's the violin in there? Oh, my. That is a viola, actually. And the guy's name is Ben Valine. Look it up. Ben Valine. I think it's V-A-L-I-N-E. He is a uh, wonderful young man, about 24 years old, who was studying violin. I'm sorry, studying viola in Nashville. But he happened to be friends with the guy that uh, studio I was working with. And he is a phenomenal banjo player. And I think the next song we play, he plays banjo on. So I actually was hiring him to play banjo. And I'd always looked at this song and said, it needs something. And he said, he pulled out his viola and said, well, I'll try something. (laughs) So it worked out really well. He did. The song is sublime. Finer than light Stronger than pain Richer than glow Pure as a tear Closer than hope Older than fear Sure as an Finding the marrow, rending the Shapes the sublime 
quietest tone Harder than Naked as bone More than song is Sublime. It's by Braden Canfield, and it's on his recording Seven Songs of Dying and Another. We'll say something about that in a moment, but he's my guest here today for Song of the Soul. And as I said before we went into the song, Braden, it is a beautiful song. It's sweet. And I, I mean, the last lines, quiet as stone, older than love, naked as bone, more than enough. You just got an A plus in poetry and and moving my soul with those words. So just let you know. Did I write that? (laughs) Take the credit where it's due. (laughs) In some ways, it's a very different tone than the song Gentle Arms of Eden, if you know that one. I wish I did. There's two songs you've mentioned that I don't know. Well, Gentle Arms of Eden, Dave Carter wrote the song. It's one of the top 100 folk songs of all time, so you should check it out. I will. And the song, it wasn't obvious to me when I first listened to it, but I should have been. It recapitulates evolution. Ooh. But with the joy of, you know, Gaia coming out of consciousness. Yes. It's an amazing song, and uh, I will get that to you so you'll connect it up. But anyway, Sublime is your song, and the name fits. What can we say? <laughs> and The Sublime Experience. You've mentioned already you have a Lutheran background. Before that, I know you were Presbyterian along the way, and uh, then you changed to something else. You, you fell from grace, uh, as formally defined, <laughs> but... Fell into a better kind of grace, I think, a a natural sense of grace. Right. I think uh, you're not part of a communal expression of spirituality these days, or maybe I'm wrong. I'm a free agent, yes. Okay. I'm just waiting for an offer. I haven't been involved. My wife and I keep thinking we will, but we haven't yet. There's a new uh, Universalist church around the way here that uh, we thought about joining. In fact, Peter Mayer came to sing at it, and he's one of our faves. Mine also. Right. So we mean to check that one out. We just haven't done it yet, but we probably will. Well, let's keep scooting on in to some more of your music. What's next on your song of the soul, Braden? I think Everything Shines Brighter is the next one. That's a song, uh, this most recent CD, Seven Songs of Dying and Another. I think that the reason that title came along is because I'm not in a position where I have to worry about sales, you know. That's a joke because it's not a very appealing. Am I allowed to laugh ways. at this point? Okay, good. You, uh, you are free to laugh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> at any rate, I just noticed that a lot of the songs had some sense of dying or death. There's a murder ballad in there that I threw in, and at some point I realized that that's kind of the direction it was going. And this song was an attempt to bring a little more upbeat sense to it and um, 
the idea is that it's based on this thing that I think about a fair amount, and that is that time of evening where it feels like in comparison to the darkening sky, the earth just seems to just shimmer a little bit, just glow. And every once in a while you get that sort of shaft of sunlight that comes across and hits a mountain or hits a tree or hits a boulder and it just shines that thing, you know, in contrast to the darkening sky. Sometimes you get that after a storm as well. And and I use that as a metaphor for, well, it could be just about that, but it also could be about uh, as you get closer to death, things become more precious. And uh, so that's what the song is about. See how everything shines brighter in the fading light. See how everything shines brighter in the fading light. And I wonder what kind of dream I'm gonna have when I go to sleep tonight. See how everything shines brighter in the fading light. See the firmament bend the twilight like a bow. Give the sunset mountain an incandescent glow. See the rocks light up like thunderbolts just before the shadows grow. See how everything shines brighter in the feeding light. See how everything shines brighter in the feeding light. And I wonder what kind of dream I'm gonna have when I go to sleep tonight. See how everything shines brighter in the feeding light. See the setting sun set the prairie grass on fire. See the tree in the meadow burning like a funeral pyre See the stars appear like sparks from the flame Rising higher and higher Ooh, the night's gonna fall No matter what we do Don't close your eyes too soon Bound to be See the shafts of sun are leaning on a little patch of log. See my lover shimmer on a bed with nothing on. See how every single night time leads to every single dawn. It's gonna be like that every day till I'm letting go. It's gonna be like that every day till I'm letting go. Joyful Song by Braden Canfield, Everything Shines Brighter. Is that one of the the and another out of the seven songs of dying, or uh, that's the dying of the day, I guess, in one way? Yeah, I, th- I just decided that, uh, you know, people can decide which song is not about dying. I was being sort of facetiously philosophical and saying, perhaps maybe all songs are about dying. <laughs> 
but maybe not. I don't know. Anyway. There's a song by the Bee Gees that no one else knows. It goes, uh, the minute you're born, you're dying. Body is six feet down. Lord says the soul sticks around. So... <laughs> Man, I got to write these down. These are great <laughs> song recommendations. Well, you mentioned Peter Mayer. I've had him as a guest as well a couple times, oh, actually. Uh, yeah, there's some really wonderful, wonderful musicians out there. And since Peter is kind of in our neighborhood, it's particularly nice. Matter of fact, he even went to Quaker meeting once. You didn't convert him. I wasn't there. Someone else told me about this just as I was getting ready to interview him. And he said, oh, well, he came to our meeting once. <laughs> And he left. He didn't like the silence too much or something. I don't know. Oh, that's probably it, right? I just wanted to mention he has a song called Human You that I think is a lot, I think it's called Human You, on his latest album. That's, I, I remember listening to it and going, oh boy, there he goes. That's my sublime song, but done so much better. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he's a wonderful a artist song. and wonderful songs he's done. Yeah. Well, let's scoot right into a final song so we can get everything in here. And, and I know what it is. Would you tell folks what we want to share last? The last one is Prairie Thunder. And this is uh, a song that is an homage to one of my heroes, Leonard Cohen. I love Leonard Cohen songs, and he tends to write long sort of ballad ideas at times. And uh, this came to me as sort of a... I was just feeling very, very vulnerable, I think, uh, at the point that I wrote this to nature and death and all those sorts of things. And um, I imagined myself having a conversation on a prairie with a coming thunderstorm. And it, uh, I was very happy with it lyrically. And it went on for six verses, and I just couldn't find a way to pare it down. It was back when I was writing longer songs and somewhat repetitive. And so I remember I was making the first CD and I had gone to Brian Wickland, who's an excellent fiddle player from Bayport, I believe, uh, Minnesota. And he had done a, another song for me and uh, he just kind of pitched me. He said, you know, sometimes people like to hear the same instrumentation on two songs on a CD. He must have had a bill to pay or something, but uh, he... Uh, pitched the idea of and I said well by the way Brian I do have another song I really like it but I don't know if I think people need a musical reason to stay with it to the end I'm just wondering what you can do with that and so I sent it over to him and he spent uh, I don't know about a week with it and sent it back to me and it just blew my socks off what he did especially at the end when he just weaves, he did both violin and cello on that and weaved it outside, in and out of my guitar part. And um, that plus a couple of things he did uh, throughout the song that I just, I just immediately thought, this is, this, this is wonderful. So this is a really, 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 I really like this song. And when I think about going forward and writing songs in the future, I think, you know, if I could write some more like this, it'd be great. Yeah, it's got a lot of the mystery woven into it, the mystery and the awe. And yeah, it kind of throws in any, you know, it's like uh, death is coming and who knows what's going to happen. And it could be this, could be that, could be the other thing. And, you know, oh well. And it does feel to me like the guitar and the violin, cello, they're dancing together in a way. Oh, it's wonderful. And he's doing the dancing. I'm, I'm definitely the straight man in that, uh, in that dance, by the way. 
but yeah. Well, you did some beautiful lyrics, and I think Leonard, I think Leonard Cohen would be proud of you about this one. Oh, that's just that's just too wonderful to say. So we're going to finish off Braden Canfield's Song of the Soul. His website, by the way, is bradencanfield.com. Any of those words seem foreign to you, come by at nordenspiritradio.org. We've got the link. This song is Prairie Thunder, and it's one, just one of two CDs because Braden's so busy working with the school system there in <laughs> Minneapolis that they have him dancing to a different tune during the day doesn't leave you all the time that you need to do your music, does it, Braden? No, but it gives me a pension. That's a, that's a good thing. That's worthy, too. <laughs> so thank you so much for bringing the gift of music. I'm so glad that you and James connected, and I found the circle here, too. I, I love your music, and I love what you're bringing through your music, and I'm so thankful to have had you here today for Song of the Soul. Yeah, it's great what you're doing. I thank you for the opportunity, and uh, anyway, I look forward to listening to this. And here we are, last song by Braden Canfield, Prairie Thunder. And we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul, Prairie Thunder. I was standing on the prairie When the thunder spoke to me While above my head like loaves of bread Clouds were breaking over me The evening sun dipped down below them To pour like red wine on the land When the thunder said I'll strike you dead And scoop your soul up in my hand So I flung my arms above my head In surrender and in praise And I sang a hallelujah To the storm's mysterious ways Then I summoned for its power On a rail of heat and light To catch me up into the darkening blue And lift me through the hole now the thunder rumbled long and low Till its anger shook the ground And I heard it say it's your last day Why do I hear this joyful sound? I said I stand before you fierce and frail For I have nowhere to hide
or descended in the hell Or perhaps I linger in between This is not for me to tell I might be pulsing in a mother's womb In some dusty distant land Or I may be something that no human mind yet understands I might be rising like a vapor Falling like the snow I might be haunting tangled forests This is not for you to know Perhaps you'll feel me in the thunder Of a prairie thunderhead But there's one thing you can hold on Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on this program. And here's one more reminder to fill out our listener survey at northernspiritradio.org. And we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.